the thing with tax law is if you imagine if you imagine a, a chart or a diagram tax law is like the little nub that sits in the middle and it runs through everything else you know there's an, a tax aspect to every type of transaction both in corporate life and also in, in personal life everyone and welcome to the Student Lawyer podcast series. Whether you're at school, sixth form, university, thinking about a career in law or exploring law careers, you're in the right place. We are the one-stop shop for student lawyers. If you'd like to join the Student Lawyer as a writer, please email hello at thestudentlawyer.com. This episode is sponsored by the University of Law. The University of Law offers a range of undergraduate and postgraduate courses and master's degrees alongside an award-winning pro bono clinic so you can build up your legal experience while studying. And their experienced career service will enable you to put your best foot forward when launching your legal career. The courses are employment focused and based on real legal practice so you'll be better prepared for the workplace. Part-time and online study options are available so you can work and study at the same time. Click the link in the description box of the podcast to find out more about the courses on offer. Welcome to the Student Lawyer Podcast Series. My name's Camilla and I'm a future trainee solicitor and current LPC student at the University of Law. In today's episode, we're really excited to be joined by Andrew Waddell, who is a tax lawyer, founder of Winslow's Tax Law, a specialist tax law firm, which also publishes The Wise Magazine, a free magazine that you can sign up to to learn more about recent tax law developments. They also have lifestyle content and a resident DJ. So it's a really exciting, cool new magazine, and you can sign up to it if you're interested in the description box of the podcast. We're going to put a link down there for you. In today's episode, we're going to be finding out all about Andy's career history. We're going to be finding out what a tax lawyer does, especially in the context of an M&A transaction, which can sometimes come up at assessment centres. So we're going to be covering that and also finding out the number one question that I had, is there a lot of maths involved in being a tax lawyer? So make sure you stick around to the end of the episode to see what Andy had to say about that. Now, without further ado, let's welcome Andy onto the show. Welcome to the Student Lawyer Podcast, Andy. It's so great to have you here with us. Hi, Camilla. Oh, thanks for having me. Good to be here. It's great to have you here. And before we get into the episode, um, we when we were, just to let the listeners know, when we were organising this um, podcast, we uh, toyed about the idea of putting in a tax joke. So <laughs> I'm going to just to kind of like, yeah, make it even funner than, than it's going to be. Um, and so I've got a tax joke for you and the listeners. Which superhero pays no tax? I don't know which superhero pays no tax. Spider-Man, because all of his income is net. <laughs> that is terrible. That is terrible. <laughs> As I always say to people, you know, it's not going to be fun. It's tax. Nobody can make tax fun. doesn't matter how many jokes you have. Well, we've tried. But, uh, <laughs> it was a good effort. I like that. I'm going to steal, I'm going to steal that on you. Yeah, that's <laughs> yeah. fine. You can have it. Okay, yeah, uh, let's get into the actual questions now. Um, I wondered if you could 
provide the listeners with some insight into your career to date. Okay. Well, listeners could probably tell from my accent that I'm not sort of from London originally. Um, I'm from a place called Carrickfergus, just outside Belfast. But I moved over to England for university when I was 18, same, same age as a lot of your listeners. Um, went to uni up in Leeds, studied law at Leeds, um, then went through to the College of Law in York for the LPC for a year. And then once I graduated the LBC, I did my training contract with Eversheds Leeds, which was great. So I spent an extra two years there doing that. Um, and then on qualification, I moved down to London where I joined Lovells as a tax NQ, which is now Hogan Lovells as it's merged with Hogan and Hartson. I was there for six or seven years. I was a senior tax lawyer there. And I left there in about 2014, I think it was, to work for a group of high net worth clients doing tax structuring work. Whilst I was doing that, some law firms approached me and said, you know, um, we don't need a tax partner full time, but an interest in projects came in. If you could sort of sub in some tax expertise, <clears throat> we can keep the job. We can you know, avoid losing it to a competitor. And so I did a few jobs like that as a sort of you know, consultant uh, tax lawyer. And it just made me realize that you know, whilst it's not a completely unique idea to provide B2B tax support to other law firms, there was certainly room in the market for another business. Um, and that's where Winslow's tax law was born from. Uh, and what Winslow's does is, you know, whilst we work for direct clients, our USP is that we provide city uh, you know, partner level tax advice to other law firms that don't have their own tax departments or perhaps on occasion just need some extra tax support. So that's a brief overview of my sort of, you know, education and sort of career path. Winslow's is coming five um, this June. So we're having a, we're having a birthday, birthday party if anyone's free. <laughs> so that's a that's brief overview of, of, of sort of, you know, my, my training and, and the firms that I've worked at and, you know, to take us to where we are now. That's really interesting. I think it's great how, um, yeah, you started off training and then, you know, got to the point where you were consulting and then um, opened up your own firm. I think I think that's a, a really inspiring story. Um, so did you know that you always wanted to become a tax lawyer and what <laughs> did you do to tax? What sort of boring person would I be if I said, yeah, I've always wanted to be a tax lawyer? <laughs> I mean, I suppose I should be honest about it. Um, I didn't actually even really know I wanted to be a lawyer, to be honest. I mean, I sort of got my A-level results and, you know, they weren't bad. And I sort of thought, well, what will I, what will I do now? And uh, I was always interested in history and politics. And I was sort of toying with the idea of doing a history degree. And then I sort of thought, well, you know, I've got decent exam results. Why don't I do a law degree and I'll do history and sort of politics electives, as they called it then. I'm not sure if they still call it electives for the stuff I was interested in. And, and so I went to Leeds Uni, not really sort of knowing what to do after, but just sort of thinking a law degree is a good degree to have, <clears throat> regardless of what you might want to do next. And then sort of in the, the second year, as it was then, everyone's applying for, you know, vacation placements as the first step towards a training contract. And you sort of don't want to be left behind. So you go along with it too, and you sort of plan for things. And before you know it, you're doing vacation placements and someone offers you a job and you think, you know, your dad's telling you, well, you should really take that job because you've got a lot of student debts, you know, <laughs> before you know it, you are sort of, you know, at law school and you are a trainee. And so I sort of wrote into law whilst I was always interested in it. I never sort of set out thinking, you know, as a, a school student, that's what I wanted to do. So I sort of felt, got into law like that. And then, you know, once you're a trainee, you have, at that time at Eversheds, you had six seats to do and there were four month seats. And you had to do you know, one in the property department 
which could have been anything from property development to landlord and tenant, whatever it was. You had to do a specialist department. You had to do one in corporate. And in corporate, you had core corporate or sort of corporate commercial, banking, uh, tax or whatever. I remember some of my friends who were sort of six months ahead of me were saying, you know, if you go to core corporate, you don't get to leave the office till midnight. If you go to banking, you know, you know, in banking department, you could be there till three in the morning, you know, whereas I know a guy in tax, he leaves every day at six. So I was like, mm, I'll take a bit of that. <laughs> I'll try tax. And that is the honest truth. Obviously, when I got there, I realized that you know, tax lawyers do work hard as well. But um, I sort of got into tax partly through having to do a corporate seat. And that was my preference. But when I got there, what I liked about it was, I mean, the previous seat I was in was construction litigation. And, you know, not knocking anyone who's a construction litigator, but, you know, I find it pretty boring. As a trainee, my job was to <clears throat> look after a trial bundle, paginate things, do what you would imagine your classic trainee admin work was. I hadn't used my brain in four or five months. And then when I went to tax, it was like, okay, you need to use your brain now. This is technical problem-solving work. And even as a trainee, you get involved in that. And I just got a real kick out of that. And uh, so whilst I went there, because I thought it was going to be an easy, easy touch and early, early leaving every day, I actually really enjoyed it. And, and that's, that's how I got into it. Stephanie, what is one of the biggest challenges that you face when writing law essays at university? Well, Camilla, it takes such a long time to gain a deep understanding of the area of law I'm focusing on and to work out what the key arguments are in order to critically analyse the topic. It often involves spending countless hours reading lots of books. I just wish there was a simpler way. It's funny you say that because our awesome sponsor, Bloomsbury Publishing, has a book series called Great Debates in Law, which explores the key debates and controversies in different areas of the law, all written by experts in their field. That sounds perfect. Where can I find out more about this book series? Head over to bloomsbury.com and for limited time only, they are offering listeners of the podcast 20% off any book in the series by using the code GREATDEBATES20 and you can find the details in the description box of the podcast. I really love your honesty about why you choose that. Some of my clients are listening to this. <laughs> you just want an easy life. <laughs> um, so this might be a bit of a silly question. I don't know. But the one thing that worries me about potentially choosing a tax seat in my future career is, is there a lot of maths involved? Is it complicated maths or is it? Not that's, really. I mean, it's a, that's a great question, and it is a common misconception. People think of tax law, and you just sort of think of you know, being counting people with calculators, doing spreadsheets and accounts and all of that. It's not like that. I mean, that is is more akin to an accountancy role in the nitty gritty of the numbers. But that being said, any sort of typical project or transaction, when you're analyzing it from a tax perspective, it does help to have, you know, to have a brain that works in an arithmetic sort of way, because to illustrate any sort of piece of advice in tax, there's usually a number associated. So someone's buying a company for X, we're going to give you Y, it's going to be, so to, to think in numbers is useful to illustrate your technical analysis. But most people who come into tax law don't come from a mathematical background. If anything, they come from an arts-based background because it's, I would say, on balance, the skill set is more analytical to be able to review documents, analyze them, and then to write well, to express your analysis. 
So no, you don't have to be a, a maths genius um, to do tax, but you still, you know, if you, you, know, you still need to be able to count and things like that, you know, we have basic numeracy as a start. That's good to know. Thank you for uh, putting my mind there. <laughs> um, so you're kind of touching on a little bit, I suppose, but what is the actual importance of tax law and how does it affect businesses? Well, I mean, it's, I mean, where do I start, I suppose? The thing with tax law is if you imagine, if you imagine a, a chart or a diagram, tax law is like the little nub that sits in the middle and it runs through everything else. You know, there's an, a tax aspect to every type of transaction, both in corporate life and also in, in personal life. Um, you know, so whether you're a, a property lawyer, tax running through property transactions, buying and selling them, whether you're a sort of a, an immigration lawyer, tax issues when you come to the UK, you leave the UK. The tax runs through everything. But I guess, I suppose, I mean, a good way to sort of example, uh, to illustrate it is if you're looking at business law, because I think most of your listeners are probably looking at careers in sort of business law as opposed to personal um, or criminal law. But if you take, for example, you know, the, the life cycle of a company. So, you know, you set up a company, you issue shares, you give people incentives, you give people options, lots of tax issues involved in that. You've got to get it right from the start. So forming a company, there's tax issues involved. Then you come to stage two. Well, how do we finance that company? Where do we get our money from? Do we take money for the issuance of shares? Do we loan money? Depending on how you finance it, it's tax and all of that. Then you get into the situation of, well, okay, now we're up and running. doesn't matter what we're doing, whether we're selling tech services or widgets or whatever, still tax on our trading profits. What about our um, intellectual property, our trademarks, our logos, tax on all of that? What happens then when you want to expand the company into different jurisdictions? Tax issues with that. Your company is so successful, somebody wants to come and buy it. Well, tax issues associated with selling it. So like at every sort of step of a, a corporate's life cycle, there's tax considerations. And um, it's no different really in, in sort of in our personal lives. I mean, if you imagine... You know, once you know, once once the listeners leave uni and, and get qualified, if you just imagine they're, you know, they're going into the world of work, they're making a salary, there's tax on that. They're working as a consultant. Well, there's self-employed issues to think about there. They're working via a personal services company, different issues for that. They go to buy a home, stamp duty associated with that. You know, it's just a, you know, they've got a pension, they get married. What's the tax status of married people? They get divorced. What's the tax? You know, every, at every turn of both personal and business life, tax is this sort of thing that, you know, it, it's, it's, there's always an aspect to it. And so I suppose if, you know, if I was to sort of recommend a career in tax law to anyone, that would be one of the big pros. Um, whilst you're a specialist in, a, in an area, yet you get to exposure to and you need to have an understanding of all sorts of different things. Property law concepts, corporate law, employment private client, all those sorts of things. So you're a specialist, but also you get involved in lots of things as well. So I don't know if that answers your question. Yeah. I feel like I've been walking on there for a while. No, it does. <laughs> it just goes to show, obviously, how how much, yeah, tax is important to every aspect of your life, both personal and professional and business and when you're advising anyone, I suppose. So, um, yeah, no, that's really, really interesting. It's varied. I mean, it's a... It's very varied, and the thing with with tax lawyers, and I suppose it's it's almost a little bit like how um, 
barristers work. So, you know, you have barristers, um, client would come in quite often with a set of unique facts or a unique arrangement. And the barristers don't carry the answer to every legal question around in their head, but they possess the skill set and the experience to know how to determine the answer in that environment. And I often think that that's quite akin to tax lawyers. I mean, the, the tax law is so expansive. Nobody knows it all but you need to know where to look and how to analyze it and how to arrive at the answer. And it's that sort of analytical process that appeals to a lot of people. Yeah, it sounds like you can never just know everything. And so every day is probably a learning. Exactly. You yeah. have to learn new things every day. Yes, it's varied. Good. It's varied and you, you, you won't get bored. It's not a commoditized sort of work. You're yeah. not doing the same thing all of the time. It's it, That is definitely a, um, a positive about a career as a tax lawyer. And you mentioned um, in your answer about uh, like share purchasing, if you're going to purchase a company and how would you finance that? Um, so that kind of brings me on to my next question. I think this is quite uh, maybe something that listeners might want to know if they're going for assessment centres or doing applications to firms which are big on M&A. Um, mm. How would a tax lawyer get involved in a typical M&A deal? Mm. And good question. Um, well, I suppose before you come to that, you need to sort of understand a, 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 some of the basics of what's going on in an M&A transaction. I mean, the first thing to think is a classic M&A transaction. What that means is that the seller is selling the shares in the company to a buyer. And if you, as one of my old bosses once told me when I was a very junior, if you imagine a company as like a box, whenever you buy a company, you buy the shares, but what you get is the whole box and everything inside it. And inside that box, you have all of the assets. That could be real estate, machinery, employees, intellectual property, all of the stuff that makes the business work. But what you also have inside that box is the liabilities of the company. So the company is a real live thing, which has been doing business for years and every year it does business, it makes money, and it has tax to pay on that money, a whole load of different taxes. And so whenever you, as a buyer, you take that box, you're taking in it its historic profile. And uh, that's the starting position for where tax lawyers get involved. I mean, and the, the easiest way to think of it is, is if you have a, a piece of paper and you draw a line from left to right, like a timeline, and you put a mark in the center, and the center piece is the sale of the company. Well, everything on the left-hand side is when the seller owns the company. So every 100 quid the company makes, the seller gets the money but also pays the tax. Once you pass the center point, the buyer owns the company. For every 100 quid the company makes, the buyer gets the money and pays the tax. The complexity comes whenever, once the buyer owns the company, HMRC knock on the door and say, ah, two years ago when the sellers owned this company, they didn't pay all the right tax. Here's a bill for you. And what the tax lawyers do is they negotiate and draft a complex set of indemnities which enable that buyer to effectively pass that unexpected tax bill back to a seller. So on an M&A deal, it's the drafting and negotiation of the passing of tax risk from the seller to the buyer. Thank you for explaining that. I've always wanted to... <laughs> it's better illustrated. It's better illustrated with you know stick men and boxes on a whiteboard. It's how us tax geeks do a lot of things. Diagram. A really good analogy, and I'm sure that will help um, remember <laughs> it. So you mentioned a bit earlier that um, people with artistic backgrounds sometimes do well in tax. So I wondered if you think that there are certain skills or personality traits that would make someone particularly well-suited to a 
career in tax law? Yeah. I mean, yeah, I mean, I think when I say when I say arts background, I sort of mean more, uh, you know, English, um, you know, thing, things like that and English history, things like things where there's a lot of written work. I'm not necessarily. I mean, there's I've worked with some brilliant tax lawyers and they all come from different you know, academic backgrounds. But it's just my own personal belief that there's a lot of written work involved. So, you know, classic example is a you know, client comes to you and says, here's the scenario. Here's the project tell me what the tax risks are or what, what's the tax position if I go and do the following thing. And so that work usually involves anal- analyzing the facts of what the client wants to do, taking those facts and going in, you know, hitting the books and working out what that means for a range of different taxes and then presenting the answers to that scenario in a sort of a, an easily accessible, uh, you know, well-written commercial report because, one of the key skills is remembering that the clients aren't tax experts. They just want to know, can I do this? What's the risk of doing this? They're relying on you to know the tax, but to present the answers in a way that non-tax specialists can understand. And that is really the ethos of our firm at Winslow's. Whilst everyone is, um, all my partners, I'm lucky to have such tax experts working with me. The one thing they have in common is that they're all very entrepreneurial, very commercial, and they're, they give tax advice in a very accessible way. Um, so I think... the to your question, one of the skills is to be able to articulate yourself well, whether that's in writing or or verbally. Um, but equally, those skills can be you know can be taught and can be trained you know over time. So, I think people from all backgrounds, if they're interested, if they're doing a law degree, or even if they're doing another degree and they're thinking of doing a law conversion, if they're interested in tax, then I would certainly explore it and look into it. There's, there's no one size fits all. You don't have to have come from a certain background to to be a good tax lawyer. Yeah, that's a really good point, I think, um, because it is such a technical area. Um, actually explaining that to the clients must be a lot harder than it looks. You probably make it look really simple and explain it in a very simple way. But actually, there's a real skill to uh, taking a technical um, uh, concept and then communicating it in a way that anyone can understand and, and you know, make a decision off the back of that. So I think that's a, a really good point. I'd like to take a moment to speak about the University of Law, which is the university I decided to study my LPC at. The University of Law is the sponsor of this podcast and makes it possible for us to continue bringing these episodes to you. So we really appreciate you supporting us by supporting our sponsors. What really sets the University of Law apart from other universities is its belief in training students for the real world from the moment they accept a place. The University of Law's experienced career service and award-winning pro bono clinics offer students the chance to get real-life legal experience which can boost employability. They offer a range of undergraduate and postgraduate legal training and master's degrees designed by qualified experts to help students excel at any stage of their career. Their courses are employment focused, honing key skills in a teaching environment based on real legal practice. Part-time and online study options are also available on many of their courses to help students work and study at the same time. If you'd like to find out more about the courses on offer, please click the link in the description box of the podcast. And are there any significant recent developments in the tax world that aspiring lawyers should be aware of at the moment? (laughs) Well, the problem with tax is to keep changing it. (laughs) Um, I mean, I suppose if anyone has an interest in tax, one of the things you would say to them is, um, you know, the Chancellor obviously has a budget each year, has a spring statement. 
And you know, one of the things that interests me a lot about tax is how the government and the tax rules that they set are so intrinsically linked to the politics of the day. So you know, you, all you have to look at at the moment is you know what's happening in the world. You know, there's a war going on that affects gas prices, that affects um, p- the money people have in their pockets, food prices, whatever. That creates a political um, environment in which, whilst Rishi Sunak might want to jack taxes up to get money in, there's a certain amount of political restriction in what people will take in the current marketplace. So. In terms of what new tax laws are changing, um, starting position is always to have a look at what's happening at the sort of cutting edge of lawmaking. So one of the things that is coming in, which was actually decided at the last budget because of coronavirus, but hasn't actually come in yet, is a rise in corporation tax. And I just mentioned that one because it's not particularly technical and it applies to all companies. Excuse me. At the moment, corporation tax is 19%. And so you take the, you know, you, the, you sell a hundred quid's worth of stuff. Your costs are 50 quid. You're left with a net profit of 50. You pay 19% on that 50. That's in essence your corporation tax. Um, as of April, 2023, that is going to rise to 25%, which is a significant jump. And the reason why that's happening is, you know, UK PLC has forked out a lot of money for furlough and all this stuff to keep us going through the pandemic. And we need to recoup that money. Um, so the government borrowing goes down and so the interest we pay on government borrowing goes down and basically it's a balancing the books type exercise from the Chancellor. So as of April 2023, corporation tax has gone up to 25%. That is for all companies that make more than £250,000 profit. If you're a small company and you make less than £50,000, you are staying at 19%. And if you're in between, if you make between fifty and two fifty, there's a sliding scale that takes you from 19% effectively to 25%. So that's a, a change which is coming in in 2023, which will be a big sort of change for companies. Also, other things, changes to national insurance. That's been well documented. That's just came you know, on the last, um, the last budget. Um, and then the other thing, I suppose, in, in terms of widespread... Um, application for people is stamp duty. Now, this is not necessarily a new change, but the one tax that most people encounter in their personal lives is stamp duty. So anytime you buy a a house or indeed anytime you buy a property as an investment, there's lots of stamp duty out there to to consider. In particular, when you buy a second property or an investment property, there's an additional 3% surcharge rate of stamp duty. So anyone who's got any interest in sort of tax, that's a good area to sort of, you know, familiarize yourself with because it's, it's, it applies and it, you're likely to encounter it yourself in your personal life. So would you say that tax, um, do you have busy periods? Say when the when mm. the budget comes out, would you be busy for a few months and then does it sort of dip off for a bit? Or, or would you say that yeah. it's quite busy year round? It's a, you know, it's a really good question, Camilla. And it, it's interesting because over the last sort of three or four years, what you've seen is um, when the budget comes around, there is a feeling and sometimes a misconception that when the Chancellor gets on his feet in the House of Commons, he's going to say, you know, as of now, all the tax rules have changed. Very unlikely that that happens. Usually things that have immediate effect are, you know, things like the closing of tax loopholes or abuse or whatever. Usually when there's a tax law change, it is notified, you know, this time next year, this will be changing or, you know, not always, but sometimes. So what we've seen over the last, not so much this year, but certainly in the previous three years, is lots of a spike in activity 
of people trying to sell assets because they thought capital gains tax was going to go up. So personal capital gains tax at the minute is 20% if you sell anything except for a second residential property. So if you sell shares, commercial property, anything like that, you pay 20%. Um, if you get entrepreneur's relief, or now known as business asset disposal relief, that can bring it down to 10%. And there was a worry over the last few years that CGT was going to change. So if you've got an asset to sell, quick rush, sell it before the budget. So not so much this year, but in the previous three years, we've seen a spike pre-budget of people trying to divest of assets. So that's one time that we would see a external factors given a spike in activity. The other time on, on transactional work, it's always year-end, Christmas. You know, like tax lawyers never have fun at Christmas, <laughs> as neither do our corporate colleagues, because whilst everybody else is out boozing it up at the Christmas party, your clients are like, we have to get this done by Christmas. And so quite often it's really busy. Um, sometimes that's because perhaps the purchaser of a company has only got finance in place if they take it before the end of the year. Other times it's just because the clients who are buying and selling want to get it done by Christmas. So those are traditionally busy periods, pre-budget and end of the calendar year. Thank you for sharing that. Um, and have you had any career highlights that you'd like to share with us? I'm guessing it's not a Christmas Absolutely, party. absolutely none. <laughs> <laughs> career highlights, good question. I mean, I said, I mean, personally for me, the sort of highlight is, is having sort of founded Winslow's and to be working with sort of great partners and colleagues that I've got at the minute. And, um, you know, not that I'm, I'm knocking working in big law because, you know, like I couldn't do what I do today if I hadn't been trained at Eversheds and trained at Lovells. And you don't appreciate it at the time that you're working with um, such clever people and you've got such great training and you sort of just think it's like that. And then, you know, when you leave those big firms, you realize, actually, I did learn a lot there. So highlight for me, I suppose, is, is setting up my own firm, you know, Winslow's Tax Law. Um, in terms of actual jobs, I mean, sometimes... You know, tax is tax no matter what the job is, but sometimes you encounter things that are actually really interesting. It might be, you know, someone selling a sports team or there's someone in the music industry or there's always something like that, that, you know, there's an interesting job, but underlying it all is, you know, the tax issues are more or less the same regardless of what the business does. But um, that's my that's my career highlight. Um, Winslow's being five in June. And happy birthday to Winslow June. <laughs> <laughs> Very exciting. We will, we will have to um, come to the party, so please don't forget. Yeah, to please, please do. Yeah, I'll put your name on the list. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. And if our listeners want to learn more about tax law, where would you suggest that they go? Ah, well, good question. First port of call for all things tax-related is our um, shiny and exciting digital tax magazine called The Wise, which um, is not cover to cover boring tax information. It's commercial entrepreneurial tax insights, but sprinkled in with the latest and, and, and best stuff that's happening in the legal industry. So anyone who's a budding lawyer out there who wants to find out about you know latest law tech products, what's happening in cryptocurrency, we've got a special feature in it's actually coming out next week. Special feature in next week's editions, all about the current recruitment market, what the big firms are doing, hiring and firing and salaries and all of that. And we've got some fantastic recruitment partners. Um, so all things tax and law related, check out Wise Magazine and uh, we can we can put the link, I'm sure, on your, uh, your covering message. That's the place to come. Within that, there's a tax portal that you can access all of our firm-wide brochures on tax, all of the sort of more tax-heavy information, but that's a great place to start. 
Yeah, I have to say The Wise is such a unique publication. It's so interesting um, and so like colourful and it's a really great read for everyone. I think students all the way up to lawyers. Well, and kind of you to say so. so yeah, <laughs> and it actually really made me want to go skiing. <laughs> the last oh yeah, well yeah, so there was special, yeah, special feature on luxury uh, ski cabins yeah. in there. Yeah, well, with some great stuff coming up in the next one around uh wine and travel and all sorts of sort of interesting things because you know nobody wants to read about tax all day long let's be honest break it up definitely and and i think yeah i think it's a really unique idea i haven't seen that anywhere else and i I think it's great so yeah i'll leave a link for the listeners if they want to go and check that out they can subscribe to the wise and by the link in the description box um, and do you have any social media accounts, LinkedIn or anything like that that listeners can yeah. follow you on? Yeah, we've got all we've got all of that. I mean, the Wise Portal Hut is the sort of jumping off point for all of that, but we've got um LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, all that sort of stuff. But the place where all of the, the fresh stuff comes out first is the Wise, and then it sort of cascades down into the different social media accounts. So if you want to get all the stuff hot off the press, just sign up to that and you'll get it straight into your email email account. Wonderful. Um, and I'll I'll leave the links to to those accounts as yeah. well in the description. And if yeah, you know, and if anyone listens to this is you know is is interested in and in, in find out more about tax law, and wants to talk you know, specifics about you know applying for a career in tax law and things like that, you know I'm always happy to chat to anyone. You, know, you can sort of get us on info at winslows.co.uk, and um, you know happy to give some more information if anybody needs it. Thank you so much. And that comes to the end of the interview. So thank you so much, Andy, for being a guest on the podcast. It's been really great to have you here. And I've learned so much about tax law. Brilliant. Thanks for having me. Thanks, guys. And thanks to the listeners for tuning in. Um, Please do leave us a star rating and review on Apple Podcasts. And let us know what you think of the episode. Um, And we will be uh, shouting out the the person who leaves us the best review on the next episode. So make sure that you leave us a review to get a shout out in in the next one. So um, see you again. Bye-bye. To hear more of the Student Lawyers podcast, hit the subscribe button and leave us a star rating and review. If you would like to join the student lawyer as a writer, please email hello at thestudentlawyer.com.